Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Trust and Believe. I'm your host, Sean T, and this is part two of my conversation with Lance Frank. Uh, It was good last week, and it's going to get even better this week. And we're going to talk about some even more intimate things. And I hope, I hope that you can reach out to Lance if you need any support or if you just want to leave a comment on our Instagram page or send us a DM and maybe we can direct you in the right path. Get ready to trust and believe with a little more pelvic health. What's up? This is Sean T, and it's time to trust and believe. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Our kids were born via surrogacy, um, and our surrogate, she had um, a C-section. And, you know, and I know a lot of women, obviously, have C-sections or, you know, they get vaginal births. And you spoke in the beginning about how they, they get a script to say, here's, I think you said, six weeks of physical therapy. You know, what, why? Like, what is happening to a woman during birth regardless of how she gives birth that requires or you think that they should really seek out to get themselves some physical therapy kind of going back to a a sports orthopedic mindset you know if you've ever had a rotator cuff injury or if you've ever torn your acl in your knee your doctor your orthopedic surgeon or physician has no issue sending you to to rehab to physical therapy it's much more conservative um, even if you have had to sur- have a surgery for your ACL, it's much more cost effective on the medical system to go through physical therapy than keep prescribing you a bunch of medications or having unnecessary surgeries. Um, the same, the same exact principle applies to having a baby. I mean, as as wonderful as having a baby is, as wonderful as creating a new life and bringing it into the world, it's a traumatic experience on the body. It is a traumatic. It is a trauma to the pelvic floor, those your muscles have to stretch, you know, 10, 50 times their natural size. And if you're giving a vaginal delivery, if you heaven forbid, you tear, if you have, uh, you know, the the space between the vaginal canal and the anus, it, it's graded on four different 
degrees. If you have a fourth degree tear, you pretty much have torn your entire perineum open from the vaginal canal into the rectum. Like it, there are no longer two, two holes. They have become one because you have torn so badly. And those patients, you know, they're, they get stitched up, they have an episiotomy, but again, like you wouldn't go get an ACL, you know, reconstruction, you wouldn't get your knee torn open and put back together and then not get physical therapy. It's just like not common practice. And so I, regardless of if you had a fourth degree tear or not, those muscles still have to stretch. It's the incidence of, you know, urinary incontinence or prolapse are very high and they correlate to the amount of, they can correlate to the amount of tearing that you have. And so it just baffles me that I don't know. I don't understand why a physician would be hesitant to refer to pelvic floor PT. And Thankfully, a lot of the the physicians that I've been fortunate enough to partner with are very, very open and welcoming to pelvic floor PT, particularly like OBs and urogynes, um, urogynecologists. They are very, most of the ones that I've worked with here in Atlanta are very open to pelvic floor PT. But like I said, at the very beginning, a lot of physicians, especially kind of older, older school physicians, think of what we do as witchcraft and it's not necessary and you just need to do a bunch of kegels and you'll be fine. And that's absolutely not the case. And it's infuriating whenever I get patients that come to see me having had physicians tell them that they just needed to do kegels or they just needed to drink a glass of wine and it'll be fine. Like absolutely infuriating. And in, in Georgia, where I'm at in Atlanta, we have direct access. So you don't need a, you don't need a physician's referral to come see a pelvic PT, you know, depending on the amount of time that you're seeing us, we have to consult with a physician. Um, but you, for your first appointment, at least you don't need a physician's referral. And so, and actually a lot of States have some, some form of direct access where you can just go see a pelvic floor PT if you want to. Um, we work closely with physicians just because of the the nature of the way our healthcare system is set up. Um, but it's not absolutely necessary to have a physician's referral to come see us. And so in the last, you know, public floor PT isn't new. It's been around for decades, but just, you know, just like as the times change, talking about penises and vaginas and sex has become less taboo. And so people are more willing to talk about what's happening to their bodies and so pelvic floor PT has kind of become, I don't want to say revolutionized because that sounds tacky, but people are more open to come to coming to see a pelvic floor PT. I would say in the last 10 years, it's become more commonplace. Um, but even if you haven't had a vaginal delivery, even if you have had a C-section, you know, they're still cutting your body open to get another human being out. And there's a lot of scarring that happens. And there are a lot of nerves that travel through the abdominal wall. And so even if you haven't had a vaginal delivery, and they've still had to, they've done a C-section, I still would highly, highly encourage patients to still go see at least see a pelvic floor PT once, you know, what's the harm in seeing someone, and just at least getting screened to make sure that, you know, even patients with that have had C-sections still I've had, I've treated patients that have prolapse or urinary incontinence. It, it's just, again, falls into that overactive pelvic floor 
a lot of patients can't have vaginal deliveries because they have an overactive pelvic floor. They can't get out of that relaxed state to have a vaginal birth. And so I, I always encourage patients, even if you had had a, have had a C-section, like it would still behoove you to go see a pelvic floor PT. Ladies, listen to that um, <laughs> and, and, and go find a pelvic floor therapist specialist. Okay. Um, two more things. Uh, one, let's talk about pain during penetration because, and I'm about to keep it very real here because I know you work with a lot of LGBT, a lot of the LGBTQ community (laughs) and, you know, there's a lot of guys out there who are like, you know, they think being, you know, the passive, like they, in Europe, they say passive in the States, they say the bottom, you know, whatever, if you're, or even if you're a female out there and you're having anal sex and you're receiving anal sex, people are like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing that. It's because it hurts. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I mean, there's always, a, you know, some sort of window, but you say, but then there's also women who have vaginal pain during intercourse, correct? So let's talk about pain during intercourse of all uh, areas, if you will, Um I mean, because I, for the longest time, you can ask Scott, I was like, nope, no, no, no. Or I would just be like, uh, like, you know, I would have anal sex as a receiver because I was like, I love my husband. But it wasn't until the pandemic when we had nothing to do. That I said, all right, this is going to be my time to get over this hump, honey. Like, <laughs> you know, keeping it very real here today, ladies and gentlemen. Love that. But I'm just like. And it wasn't never, for me. It wasn't anything about like you know a masculine thing. It was more about well, this hurts, this hurts, this hurts. And I also you know because I had childhood sexual trauma, sexual abuse, I also had some uh, mental stuff that was going on with that that I didn't work through all the way. You know, just because you know in terms of my sexual abuse, like my sexual abuser tried to you know rape me in that kind of way. And it was, it just completely ruined my mindset. So I had a lot to work through. Anyway, I'm talking a lot. I just wanted to give you some information around no, I appreciate why I'm it. interested in this topic. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, and unfortunately it, it's such a, it's just really shitty to be, oh, <laughs> to be no, honest. You can curse on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> it's just, well, it, it is, it's just a really shitty thing that, sexual assault and rape is so prevalent because I would say a a very large majority men and women that I treat, um, have, have had, have experienced some form of sexual assault or trauma or rape. And, Mm -hmm. you know, whenever you've had something so traumatic happen to your pelvic floor or try to happen to your pelvic floor, whether we know it or not, the body, our body remembers things. It, it, It remembers, you know, what, the feelings that were associated with that instance. And so when that's why I work closely, very closely with a lot of sex therapists, a lot of like patient or a lot of therapists that can work through the mental side of things where I work through the physical side of things. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, and so with pain with penetration, you know, it, it's not to say that everyone who has pain with penetration has been sexually assaulted or raped. That's not, that's not a fair statement, but it is a very high correlation. Um, and so it just kind of goes into that, that, that anxiety, that stress associated with this specific event. And so if you, if you have a lot of like mental hangups or, you know, a mental trauma associated with that, it's, it can be very difficult to, to separate that one instance from the rest of your sexual encounters for the rest of your life. Because if you had one negative experience, it, it just kind of flows into kind of seeps into the rest of your life. And so to your point, you know, having, you know, anal sex penetration, it, it's really hard to detach those instances. And if you can't relax your pelvic floor, it absolutely is not going to be an enjoyable experience for you. And so a lot of what I teach, whether it's vaginal or anal penetration, a lot of what I teach is just, you know, if you're working with a mental health therapist, great. If not, <laughs> mental health is not my background, but I'll, I always tell patients, like, I'm a lowercase p, capital T. Like, I'm a PT, but I'm mostly a therapist. And so if you're working with me, like, I try to help you work through some of the head stuff, and I try to help you figure out how to navigate your body in a way that you can relax the get out of that overactive pelvic floor state, relax your body enough to comfortably and feel safe enough to receive penetration. And it's not something that happens overnight. I'm going to be honest, whenever I'm doing particularly with pain with pain with penetration, a lot of what I'm doing is, you know, again, breathing, like figuring, teaching patients how to get out of that overactive state, but also doing a lot of dilator training. So dilators are these, I have a, a company that I, that I really love and use. They have a, a regimented dilator set where the smallest dilator starts at like the size of my pinky and the largest one goes up to like five and a half inches in diameter and it's like eight inches long. And so those that those dilators are great and they're also coming out this company um is also coming out with a rectal line so because you know us in the gay community anal sex is the only way we can receive penetration or give penetration and it's something that i've had i've thought been thinking about for a while but anyways they're coming out with a rectal line and i'm very excited about these dilators because you can graduate you can start with one size something that's comfortable non-threatening you can, it's just like doing a hamstring stretch, right? If you bend over and touch your toes and you have a lot of tightness and a lot of pain, you're not going to want to keep doing that. However, you're not going to get more flexible. You're not going to gain flexibility or range of motion if you don't ever stretch the hamstrings or work through that, that tightness. 
the exact same thing, the exact same principle applies to the pelvic floor, whether it's vaginally or rectally. It's all just a group of muscles that have the ability to expand. Um, it's just a matter of working through whatever your tightness is, whatever your level of tension is to progress to something that's more comfortable. And so that's what I love about these, this dilator regimen, whether it's vaginal or rectal, you can use these dilators and you can progress from one size to the next. And, you know, obviously I'm there with you and I'm kind of coaching you and teaching you. We're going through all the breathing. We're going through all the stretching. We're going through all the lengthening and the down training. Um, but specifically for pain with penetration, specifically for, you know, anal, there's no, like, I've, I've done a lot of research. There's no, like, guidelines or like manual of like how to have comfortable sex, particularly for gay men. You know, like if I would have known about this when I was 18, like, or if I would have had something, you know, to kind of cue me or direct me, like the first experience would have been a lot less terrible. You know, <laughs> like I feel like, like just talk about it. Sex in general just isn't talked about, you know, and nobody tells you as a, you know, when you're figuring things out, exploring how to do it safely or comfortably. And so this has been an idea of mine for a while, but having just some sort of like book or manual or like, you know, I don't know. I feel like it would be really helpful for a lot of people to have pain-free sex, pain-free penetration. Write the book, Lance. It's in the write the book. It's in the making. Okay, <laughs> it's good. in the making. We'll have you back on once, once it's, it's published, finished. and I read it, and okay. I'll help you sell it because, okay. <laughs> I, you know, I, I get it. You know, I wasn't comfortable having anal sex until I was forty three years old. So, and it has a lot. I think it has a lot to do with what we talked about the mental space, and even just the training of it. And you know, in the gay community, they talk about it. Oh, I'm a power bottom. I'm like, well, good for you, bitch, because <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> and right. I ain't trying to be, you know, it's just like we right. go through all those things and, and maybe they've been able to relax and maybe they haven't had sexual trauma or, and even if it's women in rape, maybe they, you know, even if they're a lot of women, I know still have sex in a loving marriage. And because they've had past, past trauma, they don't like sex that often and they don't, know why and their spouse thinks that it's because they're not into them and right. you know they go through all these problems and i just think that visiting someone like you ca uh, lowercase p capital t um, <laughs> yeah even though it's a capital p right um <laughs> i just think it's i think it's necessary so when you write that book we'll have you back on okay. but i'm not letting you go yet all right Perfect. um the next thing i want to talk about is oh there's so many things but i i, I think <laughs> Just because of time, I want to talk about toxic masculinity and the vulnerability with that and penises. Like, can we talk about that? Because it is a real thing. And a lot of people don't even know what toxic masculinity is. So can you just like really dive into that for me? I want to say real quick, but you can go as slow as you it's want. It's not going to be about. real quick, but I, okay. will, I will absolutely go. dive into it. Okay. I mean, so from a, a healthcare standpoint, toxic masculinity is just this idea, this headspace that men have to be, you know, alpha, have to be macho, cannot show weakness, have to be best on top of everything. And a lot of those patients in my clinic are the ones that have the most problems. Whenever you 
particularly in the healthcare setting, like no, nobody wants to be vulnerable. Nobody wants to admit weakness. Nobody wants to admit, you know, something is wrong with them. And I feel like in, in, in women and patients with vaginas, it's, it's a lot more accepted to seek out help. And it's, you know, women are more of the nurturers of the carers of, you know, are, are better at expressing their feelings and their emotions and what their wants and needs. I feel like men have to kind of keep that bottled up. It's been like in, 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 ingrained in society for particularly in the States, but also, you know, everywhere globally, but even more so, I feel like in the States, men cannot show weakness or it's, it becomes a stigma. Um, and so for a man to seek out help and admit that something is wrong with their, particularly with their pelvic, with their pelvic floor, um, it, it's hard. A lot of, a lot of men just won't do it or, they'll, I have several patients have had several patients where their wife has like called and made the appointment or called and reached out and talked to me about their husband's problems because the husband didn't want to. And so it, it just goes to show that it's really, it can be really hard for men to be vulnerable and admit when something is wrong, whether it's, you know, any of the things that we've talked about today, erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation, you know, pain with erections, pain with ejaculation, any kind of pain symptom. Um, it's, it's common, but it's not normal. I read a statistic the other day, I think it was sometime last week, that one in six men will experience pelvic floor dysfunction in their lifetime. And, you know, pelvic floor dysfunction is a large umbrella. So it, that can be, you know, all the things that I just mentioned it can be more things that we haven't really talked about, but one in six men will experience pelvic floor dysfunction. And my my experience is that a lot of the men that have found me, I've, again, my practice is still very new. So I'm still in the, the growing phase. I'm still getting patients. I'm still, you know, connecting with different referral sources. Um, but in the beginning, a lot of my patients came from, you know, Google search. A lot of my patients would find me online and they would come see me that way. I've done better at marketing myself and talking to different providers in the city. So I, I now get a lot of patients from a, from urologists, um, most of them being men, but even then they've been bounced around from provider to provider because nobody can really figure out what's wrong with them. And so that also just discourages them from seeking help. Like if, if they've gone to see their primary care doctor and they have, they've run all the tests, they've done all the whatever that they need to do and that nobody can find anything wrong with them physically. It's very discouraging to keep asking for help when somebody tells you that nothing's wrong with you. It's in your head. I've had patients, you know, see five, six, I had one patient see 10 different providers before they finally got to me. And like, how discouraging is that to see 10 different people and all of them tell them there's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with them. When in actuality, like, you know, their pelvic floor is jacked. A lot of people don't want to admit. So they can go to the doctor and they're like, a doctor might ask them a question, but they're like, Oh no, like, oh no, it's not that bad. Or, you know, so I think a lot of times they don't want to have that vulnerability and they feel like their masculinity is being diminished because, especially if it has to deal with their penis or, you know, anything down there. Like, do you ever feel, do you ever have patients that have breakthroughs like literally in front of you? I have to be a supportive clinician. Like, I have to 
create space for people to be vulnerable. Otherwise, you know, it's not just like going to see your ortho PT or going to see your trainer at the gym. Like this is a very intimate setting and I, I appreciate that. And so I have to hold a lot of space for people to feel safe enough and vulnerable enough to tell me all of the information. Because if, if patients are just telling me half-assed sort of answers, if they're kind of only half answering questions or if they're kind of skirting around what's actually happening to them, it makes it very hard to, to diagnose and also treat. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. But when, when patients really kind of let, the, let their walls down and really kind of step out of that, that masculine kind of show no weakness or show no fear sort of personality it a lot more progress can be made and i've had i've had patients tell me and one last week he was like you know i've never told anybody any of this information he's like i've just kind of suffered in silence with it because i didn't know i didn't know who to talk to and the people that i asked or talked to dismissed it so mm. it and it just kind of goes back to our healthcare system in general and just how flawed the American healthcare system is. You know, physicians see upwards of 20, 30, 40 patients a day. They don't have a lot of time to spend with you. You, you get like five, maybe 10 minutes. They, you tell them what's wrong and they may have some follow-up questions, but generally they, they leave, they write you a script for a medication or something, a, a diagnostic test, and then you're done. So there's not a lot of space to create for patients to really kind of own that vulnerability and kind of express what's really happening, which is why I feel fortunate working for myself and working in the setting that I do, because I, for every new patient, it's an, it's a 90 minute session. Every, every patient gets 90 minutes to kind of just talk to me and kind of tell me what's going on. And I would say half to three fourths of that time is literally just spent talking. The rest is the exam. So it, a lot of time is spent just listening and creating space for people to be vulnerable and tell me all of their experiences that they're having that, that they think is related to what they're there for. Um, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but I just, it does. Went down a I hole. mean, it does. And you, and you have, you know, even while we're out having drinks, like you have such a calm and de- like <laughs> calm spirit around you. That's why I kept being like, let's go down there to the bar and the music. Let me get you. Let me see what Lance has. But I mean, just even as a friend, you know, I could totally see how people would be able to feel comfortable and open up to you, which brings me to the next and final question. 
you know, I know you're in the Atlanta area. Where can people find you and reach out to you and get in touch with you? And I'll just give you this CTA. This, ladies and gentlemen, if you are in the Atlanta area and you have experienced anything that Lance's Dr. Lance Frank <laughs> has has talked about, or even if you have some sort of concern, I wholeheartedly, you know, would love for you to reach out to him. But anyway, where can they find you and how can they reach out to you? Yeah. Um, well, my website is a good place to start. FlexPTATL.com is, that's the name of my business, FlexPTATL. Um, but that has kind of all of my information, my background, scheduling an appointment. You can do all of that through my website. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram. Lance Frank is my personal page, but FlexPTATL is my um, business page. And then TikTok has been, that's where I met you, Sean. TikTok has been I fun. Know. And that is Lance in your pants. That's, <laughs> that's my username <laughs> on there. Seems fitting. <laughs> well, TikTok is the place to have a, a handle that's that's titled Lance in your pants. Right. And I will say this. I think a lot of people will get a kick out of this story. I found Lance on TikTok and he kept showing up on my For You page. And I'm like, why is this, you know, why is this doctor? And I, and I think that, <laughs> One, I do follow some doctors because you guys have like really great ways of, you know, being creative on TikTok. But in addition to, you know, I I tag LGBTQ a lot. And I think that, you know, the algorithm. Right. But he kept showing up. And I think I liked some of your posts, but I never followed you. And I was like, let me reach out to this guy. And then he told me he did my workouts. And then we were <laughs> yeah. best friends ever since. And we right. went out. We met myself and he and his partner went out to uh dinner and i was like an hour late don't even so <laughs> but i was getting my hair so late but it's okay so late we forgive oh you God. we forgive you that's the only reason why i was like you want to come to my podcast or just <laughs> make i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> anyway oh, lance man. thank you for helping my listeners trust and believe in the pelvic floor i hope you guys got a lot out of this uh, informational session because that's what it was more than an interview <laughs> and uh, make sure you reach out to Lance and always trust and believe